0: You were now part of a social experiment. <laughs> see now where my limit is. Only got no. Uh, it's like
1: they just want to see you struggle. I swear they don't want to see you shine. They don't. It's like they just want you to flee, then they want you to fall. They don't want you to be what a strange upbeat. Welcome to Mastermind, the home of black excellence
2: and self mastery. Yes, your host, Mr. city.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self mastery. Welcome to our Black Thought University monthly segment designed to help the black mind think, develop and grow. I'm here with the founder of Black Thought and our co-host, Mr. AKA Professor Paul Robinson. Let's start thinking. All right, so we are back for our second annual college info session. uh, And we are here with the EOP director of NCC with over 30 years of experience helping young people get funds and resources, Mr. William Clyde, and our second guest, a recently retired high school guidance counselor who also has over 30 years of experience working with young people in the high school setting, helping them on their journey to college, uh, Ms. Antoinette Shervington. Welcome to the program, Ms. Antoinette Shervington and Mr. William Clyde. How are you guys doing today?
2: We're doing I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us. This is a great platform and a wonderful opportunity. And hopefully I can share some information that will help somebody's child on that path towards educational empowerment because that's what we're all about.
1: Absolutely. Mr. Clyde, how are you doing today?
3: Pascal, we're we're back again. And it's always great to be with my my dear sister and colleague. And now that she is recently retired. I tell people, I still have to work. So it's all, it's all
1: good. It's you all know, good.
2: Always we'll work together, William. Always.
1: <laughs> you just
2: and I will be there. No problem.
1: That is cool, man. Uh, speaking of that, how's, how's retirement going, Ms. Shervington?
2: Uh, you know what? It's interesting because, uh, you know, I've had, parents and students and, and people outreach. So, you know, I kind of feel like I'm working just not in a domain of any kind. And, and, and it feels good because now I can really truly give back and mentor and, you know, um, wherever the calling is, I I intend to meet it as much as I can.
0: Got
1: you. Got you. The work never stops. Never stops. All right. Um, I wanted to start off with um, just, you know, th- this whole thing going on around with the pandemic and some mm-hmm. of the impacts that it had on college. And one of the things I was looking at an NPR segment, and they mentioned that enrollment across the United States has been the lowest since it's ever been in the past 50 years. And, you know, someone blame me on the pandemic, the economy, you know, things are changing, students are changing their minds about college and things like that. Uh, so there's larger pockets of students saying like, you know, I don't want to go to school. You know, it's a, it's a scam. There's a, you know, this whole college conspiracy things, trying to get your money and, college is not worth it. There's free online classes. There's this and that. Like, what's the point in going? So let's just imagine real quick that I am maybe your son, uh, Mr. Clyde, Ms. Shervington, right? And I come through and I'm just like, senior year, I'm like, yo, my dad, I ain't doing it, man. Like college, college is not for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to go another route. Um, I think it's a scam. It's too much money. Um, so that's, that's just the decision I made. So let's start with POPs. Mr. Clyde, how are you taking that, man?
3: Well, sort of wanting to have a conniption over the idea of not (laughs) being in school. And, And certainly from a parental perspective, that being a college graduate and having earned an advanced degree, I would not be where I am without those credentials. So that'd be first and foremost. And certainly in my role as an opportunity program director for that 30 plus years now that I've done it, we also understand that college is not for everyone. We need to be very, very clear and concise about that. There are ways and means to sustain yourself, have a good living, have a good life, and not necessarily have the letters after your name.
0: Right mm-hmm.
3: now, now, depending on what it is that you're going to do,
4: mm-hmm.
3: that dictates, I, I believe, Mr. G, the, the course in which you go next. That's the, that would be the piece that I would tell my son. And let's and I would say let's let's look at this. Let's look at what you want to do. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: Right? And have you thought out what this looks like without going to college? Mm-hmm. We we have to talk about planning.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Sometimes our young adults will just say things to say them. And we have to continue to challenge their thinking, and have they processed the next steps? And understanding that college is a very different place now, particularly as we talk about how COVID and the pandemic has really shifted the mindset Mm. for many of our young adults and and more mature folks in regard to what is it really that college does for you.
4: Mm.
3: One of the positives, I think, that came out of the pandemic we saw so many people shift career, shift focus, shift entity. They are, We have folks who are doing something totally opposite of what they had planned to do or whether they were in school or not. So that's <laughs> not a horrible thing. It's not. When we speak about entrepreneurship, you saw so many new businesses come up. And that would certainly suggest that not everyone who did that had a college degree.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So we have to talk about it in its merit and in its in its and its in its time. So the scenario, Mister G, you put to me as parent, as dad, I'm talking to my son then about. All right, let's look at the how and why you've come to that conclusion, mm. and then let's look at do you have a plan to get to where you would like to be?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Because then we 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 talk about giving our young adults the level of autonomy that they need because they have to be thinkers on their own as a parent we give our young dependents the idea that we want you to think independently that you do not have to rely on mom and dad for every decision that you're going to make so if we're checking that if we're checking that in the way that as a parent needs to you're not coming down with the sledgehammer, and Mm. trying to beat them over it. Now, a parent might still want to do that. It might have to feel some kind of way about wanting to do that to their Mm. dependent child. Mm -hmm. But that's not how any good parent or certainly a reasonable parent is going to respond to that. Mm. So that's that's the first thing. But again, as someone who has gone through college and certainly if the household that they have grown up in, they know that their parents have achieved quite a bit because of the degrees that they've attained through college, then you would like to believe that could be the next logical step. Now, again, is it for everyone? No, it's not. We have to have a level of thought and planning as to why this is the case. Now, Mm -hmm. I can give you all the bells and whistles as to the benefits of what a college education Will provide, right? And
1: that is from Dad's perspective. Got you. How would Mom handle that one?
4: Serving well,
2: t- You know what? Um, I certainly want to um piggyback on the theme of of futuristic thinking and a career area that maybe my son would would be interested in pursuing, and then helping my child take a look at. What are the professional competencies needed for you to be successful in the field, number one, that you're interested in? Maybe you have an idea. Maybe you have not have an idea. Let's just do like a career exploration because you're right. The college piece isn't going to work unless somebody's vested in it. You need to be vested in it. And if your child is telling you, Nah, this isn't right. Let's take a look at those pathways to get where you want to get. Um, I have students that come to me in the past all the time, and we have to take a different path to get in those professional uh, competencies. And I'll talk about some of those pathways in a minute. But I think it's important, like you said, at the starting point. Well, what are you good at? What do you see yourself doing? You know, and how can you you get to that level of allowing that career to be a sustainable career for you, for your lifestyle, your choices? What? How do you want to like it's so basic in terms of what do you see your, your life like in the future? What type of lifestyle? And then take a look at those competencies that you need to, to get there. And um you know, I have students, oh, Miss Shervington, I don't want to go to the school for four years. I just did 10 years. I just, they feel like they did a 12-year sentence, some of them, and it's so <laughs> interesting talk about what the reality of, of a college degree, what, what uh, uh, a certificate training program, because I will tell you, there are some of my students that I have to use, I have to go there. I have students that are in high school or right after high school, instead of going to college, they'll choose maybe adult education through BOSIS. Now, again, this podcast is about education, so I'm, I'm not suggesting one over the other. I'm just suggesting that there it, there are alternative educational programs that are more hands-on, and for some students, that may be a better fit at that time. Um, I have students that, I'll use, I'll use an example, I have a student that went through an adult education, because they're adults now, uh, worked during the day, paid for the adult education program um, through a BOCES, uh, Western Suffolk BOCES, as a matter of fact, Um, Did x-ray technician, um, uh, sonography. I have other students that have gone to the camp. They end up getting hired because they have that on the ground. You know, they're ready. They have their hands on training. Phlebotomy. Surgical technology, William, I know at NASA, I believe they have a surgical technology program. That's a two year degree program. Very similar to both those kids are coming out. and they're, they're in the operating room. They're handing the surgeon the, the, the tech, technical skills and tools needed for our operation. And they're making 70 grand an hour. So you're looking at that
1: 70 look- grand an hour. Where, where is that? Not, se- up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not an hour a yeah i'm sorry 70 grand a year but it's because instead of maybe taking a longer route they're doing more of those those professional competencies and uh, certificate training programs and two-year programs and other options that are available so i'm not seeing. i don't want to go to college as a I don't want to do anything with my life. I'm just seeing it as well. Let's take the exploration piece and see what we can what we can come up with. What would be a better fit for you? And and a lot of those students, believe it or not, that start out saying that once they're in the game and once they're out there and they see the realities of, like William said, the benefits of a college degree, they may turn do a 360. But that has to come on their own. The other thing that I, I always point out to students and parents, well, then let's take a look at with a high school diploma right now, what, could, what kind of job is available for you? Let's take a look at that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something. I always, and I would do this with my son, point students to the Department of Civil Service because the Department of Civil Service has exams and positions that are available for high school students that may have to take an exam. But it's a civil service government position that you can get that will give you benefits, give you a pension, and give you medical and health care. Because, you know, your kid is coming to you about to graduate. They may not be on it, they may not be thinking about the health care plan. You may be covered under daddy's plan for a certain age, but go out there and get hit by a car when you don't have a health care plan. You understand what I'm saying? So I like the reality base. So I have kids that they come in, they want to talk and rap. I said, well, listen. Why don't you go to the Department of Civil Service and apply for the 911 operator? 911, what's your emergency? You could talk all night as you have to be calm, you have to be collected, but that is a government position. That's something that you can do until you figure it out. Like there's always something that you can do Mm. because your timing and figuring life out may be on a different schedule than my timing. But let's keep moving. Upward. That's the trajectory. You're my son. I'm gonna help you move upward. So let's take a look at all of the things that are open to you right now as you march across that state from high school. And as William Clyde pointed out, what is the plan? Mm. What is the plan? I hope that, that was helpful.
1: That was definitely helpful. All right. So you convinced me. You convinced me, Ma, but one quick thing. Um, I wanna take a year off. I wanna save some money, I wanna travel a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then I'll get back to it. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, what are you going to travel on? What are you going to save money from? <laughs> you know, honest. Now, I, do have, I do have an answer for that. Then let's take a look at organizations that will give you free travel in exchange for your service, whether it's the Peace Corps. They still, I mean, pre-COVID, they had kind of cut things down, things are opening back up. There are so many avenues that you can do that with that will give you an opportunity for that. But if you don't have any funds, what are you really traveling with? Then you kind of take a look at, at what you can do. I'll tell you another caveat for some students that, you know, when you graduate from a New York State high school, you have to be competent in English, pass English regents. I have a student, didn't uh, go to college, but wanted to be an educator, uh, but needed to want to, wanted to earn money. Do you know that student did an online Position where she taught English to Chinese students overseas. This you could always do something. Mm. You can always do something. It starts with that exploration of what's available. So you know, yeah, you take a you you gonna you're gonna be going upward. You could take a year off, but let's take a look at what that looks like, so that you can at least achieve some of those goals that you have in mind. Gotcha. This girl is a beautiful thing. But you want to do it safely and, um, you know, you want to continue to develop competencies along the way.
0: Got you. I think uh, Professor Robinson had a question. Yes. Mom and dad, you've thoroughly convinced me that I need to be in college.
2: Absolutely. But
0: How are we <laughs> going to pay for this? We don't have Wouldn't a whole a- lot of money. Anyone, mom, dad. First
2: first of all, the the beauty of being in this country, and I know William is going to piggyback on it because he deals with the financial eligibility of students across the board, is that um, for every family income, there is some level of support. Um, You know, even in New York State, they have the Excelsior Scholarship. So if the the family income, that income baseline falls under, I believe it's $125,000 a year. And William can correct me on this. It may have gone up. They're going to qualify for free tuition in the state of New York at the SUNY colleges, at the, the public
0: colleges. Would you explain so, that program to us a little bit?
2: Um, okay. So in the state of New York, you can even even Google it. It's um, through the HESC, the Higher Education Services Corp. You can Google it. It's the Excelsior Scholarship Program. It's not based on academics at all. It's based on income. So if there's an income threshold, and, and again, I just went to the website with a parent the other day, uh, the work never stopped. Um, and you can see that they didn't update it yet. They still had the 2022, um, 21 22 parameters. It was 125000 So if the income is 125000 or lower, you're going to qualify for that in-state. It's tuition um, only. So that's a starting point. Um, for our families. That's different from the Education Opportunity Program income guidelines. So there are so many different um, uh, financial programs, um, grants, TAP, Tuition Assistance Program. If you're going outside of the state of New York, you wanna look at the Pell requirements. The Pell is a federal grant that you can use at, um, outside of New York state as well as in. So that's the conversation that we need to start having with parents um, is the, is the, the, where do you fall? Where does your income range fall when you're working with colleges or even on the FAFSA, which you can go to and apply on your own, which you should you have to do that um, in order to get any of the aid that I'm talking about as well. So the money is out there. Then there are there's a pool of money that institutions have called institutional aid. And so some institutions may maybe you don't qualify for the educational opportunity program or you don't qualify for the Excelsior program. But that financial aid officer has the professional judgment and professional discretion to take a look at institutional aid based money, endowments, um, you know, donations and and see if you qualify for any of those um, scholarships or or donations or endowments as well. Um, And then, of course, you have the federal Student loan program that uh, will take a look at your income and may offer you a subsidized student loan or an unsubsidized student loan. The difference is this if you take a subsidized student loan while you're in college, as long as you're in college, the government is going to take care of that, that interest on the loan. Um, and you're gonna, you know, you don't have to pay that loan loan back right away. And they also have a lot of hardship programs. Unsubsidized, um, you know, the interest is gonna be either capitalized back onto the loan, or you can start paying the interest right away. Mm. Is my colleague William Clyde still on the line?
0: Why?
3: Why would I interrupt you with that Dr. Clyde, explanation? I'm
2: waiting for you to come in and help me because <laughs> I know this <laughs> is your forte. This is your area. This is- a financial aid. I'm also going to talk about scholarships after you, you know, shed some uh, illumination on the financial aid piece. And then I'll jump back in after you're done with that, because that was the issue. That was the question. How do I pay for college?
0: Mm-hmm. And also, Mr. Clark, can you explain a little a little bit about EOP and what that is? Thank you both. Probably-
3: Now I would certainly not claim expertise in financial aid all all because I've been around it all these years. Mm -hmm. I don't do any, any packaging in terms of the bells and whistles, but what what I will say, Mm -hmm. and Antoinette talked about this right away, the gateway, first and foremost, our parents and our young adults have to sit down and do the FAFSA. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, by doing the FAFSA, that helps to determine at least the federal aid that a student would qualify for, which be the Pell Grant. And it's all free money, ladies and gentlemen, F-R-E-E, free. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is apply. Now, there are parameters in terms of eligibility for a Pell Grant, and it's our United States government that puts this money together, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. So it is budgeted via the treasury and it's X amount of dollars. And I mean, it's a a huge amount of money. When you think about the students who qualify for a federal Pell Grant, it's our taxpayers' money. Right. So those of us that work and when you look at your pay stub, part of that money that gets taken out in taxes, that small percentage, whatever it is, goes to funding your Pell Grant. As you know, right now, sometime next month, as a matter of fact, the 2324 Mm. Pell Grant will be available for filing. So if you are a student who is a high school senior currently and you will be attending college for the first time in the fall of 2023, Mm -hmm. the 2324 FAFSA would be available somewhere around October 1st. That is So if you are currently in school, or certainly as a student now in college, you are still able to file a 2022-2023 FAFSA. So mm-hmm. some students may be late in the game in filing it now. I had a couple of students who still needed to file a FAFSA, as uh, sad as I would want to admit that. They mm-hmm. had not done so. Mm-hmm. But we say to students, by doing your FAFSA promptly, Not only do you determine how much aid is available to you, it also helps to reduce your bill. You have to have some means of how do you pay your college. I don't know that anyone on this line, including the adults who've earned their degrees, Hmm. have the money in their pocket that they can go pay their bill to Hmm. the bursar. Whether you go to a community college, whether you go to a four-year, whether you go to a private, no one has that kind of money unless you have been involved in the underground economy (laughs) or you have money stuffed away in shoeboxes or mattresses. That is Mm. correct. Okay, that's not where everybody is, but sitting down with parent or guardian or whatever your situation in order to file this the FAFSA so that you can determine your Pell eligibility.
1: Speaking of that, before we get into scholarships, um, as you guys all know, college has been on the rise like forever and ever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at some schools and I'm looking and it's like $70,000 a year and kids are going to these yeah. schools. Like what what do you guys think is too much? Like in regards to tuition, like where should I be? Like where like this is way too much. Like, you know what I mean? In regards to um, how much I should be paying a year. Or is it just the norm to expect to pay these prices for schools nowadays?
3: They depending on school. Right. And And I said something earlier, which also makes sense. And certainly this is something that both she and I would not only counsel students with, but certainly would agree to. Mm. That when students are looking at colleges, one, you want to find the place that fits you best because not every college is going to satisfy every student as you apply. Mm -hmm. So even before that, the students should be able to look at what do they potentially want to do, even if they don't have an idea of the very specific academic program that they want to study and or career path. But they do want to look at what school kind of fits me. Do I want to stay Mm -hmm. close to home? Do I want to go away?
4: Right.
3: by going out of New York state as an out of state resident, it's going to cost you more than an mm-hmm. in-state resident.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The same thing that with SUNY, if you are an out of state resident, you are paying a higher tuition than mm-hmm. someone that lives in New York state. So those are the rules of the game. Right. Then you have to look at what sort of activities do I want to be involved? Do I want to go to a large school? Do I want to go to a small school? Is it going to be in an urban metropolis or is it going to be in a rural or very suburban setting?
4: Right.
3: And, and a student has to be comfortable with like, OK, where do I really want to be? So, mm-hmm. again, that's part of the the diligence and the homework that a young person or certainly a potential college student has to perform to then say, what does that mean? Because, again, every school does have a price tag. When we think about the more expensive schools in the United States, we're talking about our private institutions, our Ivy League schools. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, etc. Or you have a Stanford or you have. University of Chicago, so I mean, are a number of schools that have hefty price tags, but also what you're paying for inclusive in that price tag is the cost of living as a resident student. Mm. Mm-hmm. Most colleges now, when you talk about dorming, at minimum, that's an, an additional $15,000 a year now,
4: mm-hmm.
3: which includes the meal plan. And in most colleges, as a student who's in the residence hall, you are obligated to have a meal plan.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now that may be changing in other parts of the country and other colleges. I I can't necessarily speak to that portion. But again, does the price tag of the institution that you attend mean that you one, get an equal amount of education for that price tag? Mm. And at, at the end, how much is it going to cost you to get to that end? Because when we look at now, what's the end game? Is the end game to earn a degree and get a job? Now, some students now would think, well, I come with a college degree, I need to be making six figures. Mm. (laughs) Not real.
2: Not so. Um,
1: Not not, real. Not. All right, got you, got you. Um,
2: I just want to add on to that um, two things. Number one, when I have a student in front of me, we are taking a look at that student's um, uh, suitability, that institutional fit, as Dr. Clyde pointed out. But I also tell them don't let the price tag det- detract you from applying. Do not do that because, number one, once the institution takes a look, and if you make it into the institution, Um, a lot of the Ivy Leagues, believe it or not, will um, do what they can to make sure that students, especially those of the the traditionally bypassed populations, get in and and they make it affordable. I was just um, listening to um, a newscast that just talked about some of the commitments of those Ivy League schools that you mentioned to um, diversify their students, to continue push of inclusion. And so we're at the stage of the fall right now, who seniors who are looking to go to college, who um, have a college prep uh, high school transcript that they've gone through and they're ready for that, always take a look, well, let's take a look at schools that are noted across the country for the major that you're interested. There is a guide that most guidance counselors use. And if you have a pen, you can look it up. You can Google it yourself. The name is Ruggs, RUGG, R-U-G-G, a S recommendation list. And that is a list that a lot of school counseling offices use with parents and students to take a look at those students that, uh, excuse me, those colleges that are known for a particular major. And they are divided by the difficulty to get into the schools. So you have the the schools that are, you know, uh, more selective, that are moderately selective. And they actually will give you information regarding the GPA that you need to get into those, those schools and colleges. So it's worth a look. Again, it's. R-U-G-G apostrophe S recommendation list. And you can Google that as a starting point because I have a lot of kids that said, well, you know, I want to go for communications. What are the best schools across the country? What are the best schools in my state for communication? So we take a look at that. And again, that goes back to what uh, Dr. Clyde was talking about. What does that institution offer you? In the beginning, when you're applying, you're applying to those schools and colleges, but it's going to be a decision that you're gonna make once you get offered admissions and also once you get offered a financial aid package. And that package is gonna vary from school to school. So I wanna talk a little bit about that. That's why you shouldn't let the price scare you or take away from your um, applying to those those schools and colleges that maybe you think you can't afford. Cause $70,000 for one student, it may not cost the next student that same amount of money. It's going to be based on your family income. It's going to be based on what the um, student aid report says. And the student aid report is just a report that gets generated from that FAFSA. And you're going to take a look. And then every family that applies for financial aid is going to get what's called an EFC code. That stands for expected financial contribution. So let's suppose everybody on this call submits a FAFSA and we all want to go to Harvard, right? What's going to happen after we all submit our FAFSAs online, and it's not a difficult process. You just have to have your tax information in front of you just two years prior. And I know Dr. Clyde can talk about that. But after we do that online application, in a couple of weeks, we're going to get what's called a student aid report. And that EFC code is going to be at the top of that student aid report. And it's going to say, hmm, this is the expected financial contribution from your family based on the income that you're reporting. Now, what I always tell students, you can always do a financial aid appeal if you feel that that code is inaccurate or if there are some things that, affected the family income that's not reflected on the FAFSA. You can always appeal to directly to the director of financial aid. It's called a family slash student expected contribution appeal letter. And so you may outline that maybe Someone in the family has a disability where medical co-pays drain the family income. Maybe somebody had a, a addiction issue or problem where something drained the family income. Maybe you had a mole infestation where you had to get your house redone that's not reflected on a tax that drained the family income and that that can be somehow reported. We can always do an appeal to the financial aid office. and It's up to them if they want to give you some of that institutional aid or if they want to adjust the expected family contribution. I think that that's a very important piece that financial aid is a process. You start with the first step. You see what you're going to be offered. You take a look at your family resources and you communicate with that director of financial aid because sometimes there are other things that affect what would be the expected family contribution.
3: I mentioned, let me jump in with this because mm-hmm. in... Most cases. Students will have to go through verification. That is correct. And that verification then will be determined whether or not some of those other appeals can then be made, because what happens is
4: mm-hmm. based
3: on the information that is reported on the FAFSA is mm-hmm. an algorithm that goes through this. I mean, it's, that's how it's explained. But generally speaking, the financial aid office will then have basically the they are the arbiters of how they look at your case and then be able to distribute the aid that is entitled to you based on what was reported. Mm. More often than not, it would require that student be required to submit additional documentation from the family in order to make that case
2: that is correct
3: so that that's how it goes but but i I don't want to lose uh professor robinson's question in regard to talking about eop let me just get to that because that's certainly another angle for students who might qualify given the price tag question that mr g posed the state opportunity programs fall under three categories you have The City University of New York, which has the seek and college discovery program seek is the acronym for search, education, elevation and knowledge. And that's found at the four year institutions of the city college system of New York. The community colleges like Kingsborough, Queensborough, Borough Manhattan Community College have something called college discovery. The private, four-year private colleges in New York State have something called the Higher Education Opportunity Program. And more appropriately, the Arthur O. Eve Higher Education Opportunity Program. The State University Colleges also have the Arthur O. Eve Educational Opportunity Programs. All of these programs are designed and, identif- and, and are built to identify students who Qualify based on academic profile and family income. Generally speaking, students who are eligible for the opportunity program would not have a high school profile that would allow them to be admitted as a standard admit at the institution that they applied. So in other words, generally speaking, that academic profile is a bit lower than what it would take to be admitted to any of those institutions. The community colleges within SUNY have a very different profile because anyone who applies to a community college will be accepted. I've not heard of any student that applies to a community college that got rejected, Mm -hmm. at least not in my experience at Nassau Community College. So that's a little different criteria, but in the same vein that it identifies students with a specific academic profile And that Mm -hmm. their family income falls 185% above the federal poverty guidelines. Now, that's a lot of speak, Mm -hmm. but basically it suggests that based on an income formula for the number of people in the household, there's a corresponding income that you need to qualify. It would be helpful for those on the call who are certainly rising seniors. And who are applying now and looking at colleges for next fall, that they have that conversation with their school counselor and see if indeed you might qualify, at least financially, for the program. You also need to have both criteria, academic and financial, to qualify because each of the institutions that sponsor the program will have different admission criteria. Mm-hmm. The big prize about the opportunity programs is this not only does it help financially with some that will provide books some will provide other Mm -hmm. financial assistance to help meet your tuition costs primarily it's there as an academic support for you
4: Mm -hmm.
3: the counseling the tutorial and anything that you might need and, and we certainly stress mental health nowadays We saw this certainly through COVID, even before COVID. Students' mental health is is an important element in your success in college. And the opportunity programs certainly have a strong pillar in helping to support students that way. And the other significant portion of being eligible and then being admitted to these opportunity programs is that there's a mandatory summer component. And we say it's a summer bridge between your high school graduation and preparing you to be an active, prepared and ready student in college. Without these summer bridge programs, opportunity programs across the state of New York would not be
4: successful.
3: Because it's asking the student to commit themselves to, as, as Many as many as three, four, five or six weeks of their summer to prepare them to be better students coming to college. And understanding that being identified as a student whose profile might not have been great, that's not to say that you don't have the potential to do well, that's a key word here. Your academic profile may not necessarily have reflected the type of student that you can be. And what opportunity programs provide is that space, is that trajectory so that you can be even better.
1: Got it. Mr. Clyde, um, is EOP New York based or does it expand um, throughout, throughout the United States?
3: Well, there are other opportunity programs in other states in the country. They're not as many as you might think. We have a component part of what we say, a sister program in New Jersey. It's called the Educational Opportunity Fund. That's the New Jersey program. Pennsylvania has something called Act 101, which was the legislation that is enacted to put those programs in, in some of the Pennsylvania schools. California has an opportunity program. So mm-hmm. State of California has something like what we know EOP and HOP to be. Got so not many places, but again, the, the key is you have to be an in-state resident to qualify. Mm that is the, that's the bigger, that's the bigger piece. So if you live in Connecticut and you want to come to New York and think that you might be in an opportunity program, that doesn't work. You have to then establish your residency as a high school student for the prior year. And then as long as you have designated yourself as a New York state resident, then you could, you could apply.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So We got the Excelsior, we got EOP. Now, um, let's talk about some scholarships. I know, Miss Antoinette, you are like the queen of scholarships and resources. So, if I am struggling, uh, like Professor Robinson said, and Mm I have no money, Mm -hmm. uh, what are my options as far as scholarships?
2: Oh, my goodness. You have to get yourself immersed and ready for this opportunity to research and apply for scholarships. There's a scholarship for just about every person. There's so many scholarships that I can't even tell you all of the names of them, but I am going to give you some good websites and some places to begin. So, one of the things that you would want to have before you even start the scholarship process is you want to create a competitive. Uh, scholarship portfolio. So let's take a look at what should be in that portfolio because nine times out of 10, you're going to be asked to upload information. So you might as well, if you're a high school senior or if you're even a junior, you want to start to assemble some things that will be maybe required of you. And so, of course, the first thing is that seniors right now should be able to either access a, a college transcript, which at the bottom or the top would have your high school average your weighted average and your unweighted average. And the difference basically is if you've taken any honors courses or if you've taken any AP courses, the um, final average is going to be weighted and it will, will reflect in that weighted average heavily a little bit more, so you can actually graduate from high school with an unweighted under- average that may be a uh, ninety, and then your weighted average may be something a little bit different. So you want to take a look and make sure that those are there because you may be asked that information. Also, if you've taken SATs or ACTs, um, that may be required. The thing the the uh, COVID. You know, for quite some time, the SATs and ACTs were were not even required because many students were unable to take these exams due to COVID. Um, And now there are so many colleges that understand that and they are moving towards SAT optional in terms of reporting. So if you want to know the schools and colleges that are SAT or ACT optional, there's a website, get your pen and pencil out or type it in, type it in your notes right now. You're going to Google fairtest.org, F-A-I-R-T-E-S-T dot And when you Google that, it's going to bring you to a website that's going to give you colleges across the country including the SUNY colleges and the CUNY colleges that are SAT optional at this time, at the time that that uh, uh, database is uploaded. You can take a look. It'll say as of blankety blank. The schools and colleges, there, in alphabetical order. You can arrange them by state. But that's a nice starting point so that you can say, oh, I want to apply to Wagner College. Or, oh, I want to, is this school requiring SAT or is the school SAT optional? So you want to make sure you have that information. If you have a resume, um, that's something that you can include in your uh, scholarship portfolio. And a resume is simply going to be a snapshot, usually on one page of your uh, skills, talents, and abilities, the courses, any volunteer service, any jobs that you have. And of course, you can always put references available upon request at the end. Most high schools are using a program called Naviance. If you know what the Naviance program is, you should be aware that in the, the Naviance is going to give you the opportunity to create a, a resume in the About Me tab. If you have no clue what Ms. Shervington is talking about right now, you need to rush to your high school guidance counselor's office and you need to say, How do I sign up for my Naviance account? It would be nice in the chat. If you have a Naviance, just say, I have a Naviance account. If you have no idea, again, what I'm talking about, because that's the way most schools and colleges are using Naviance to get that information to the colleges. And you can actually um, upload or create um, in that account Um, under the About Me tab. You click on that and you can upload your resume. And so, again, that's something that you can Google sample resumes, start to work on your resume. You should have a resume. If you don't have one, that's something that I would highly suggest you start to work on. And then also your college essay, your statement of purpose. You can um, under the Common App. The Common App will give you um, several questions that you can answer that can constitute or make up that college essay. But you want to definitely start working on that that statement of purpose, your goals, your aspirations, um, a little bit about yourself and um, what you've done in high school. And if you have a career idea in mind, why you're interested in that career, what you hope to contribute to that, that field, what... Skills or, or characteristics that you possess that would make you believe that you would be successful in that field. Right. And so, again, you can take a look at that. And then, of course, if you have any letters of recommendations um, that you can include in that portfolio, that would be great. And letters of recommendations, of course, with the Common App, your teachers are going to be required to upload. You have to list at least two academic references. But letters of reference uh, recommendations can come from outside entities that will make up that scholarship uh, portfolio. So if you volunteered with the Suffolk County Police Athletic League, Paul, you know, You know, that's one of my favorite go-to's. I send kids over to Officer Grossi all the time. Volunteer, whether you're doing volunteer work in a hospital, get that letter from that hospital supervisor, whether you're reading to the little kids in the library. If you haven't done any community service, think about maybe a platform that you would like to contribute to your time to, whether it's uh, Pet Rescue. It's your time to make a difference. And the life of somebody else, whether you do, um, you know, feeding the homeless initiatives, food drive, there, there so many things that you can do as a young person. So you want to start, if you haven't done so, think about something that, where you can use your energies um, and that you really care about because it'll not only make you feel good, um, but it does wonders to those individuals that need that helping hand. So um, if you and I are applying for a scholarship And we have the same academic credentials and we have the same SAT scores and our our essays are similar. Well, what about your leadership skills? Have you been involved in any clubs, organizations? What about your community service? Because that's going to make a difference. If I have a two ten thousand dollar scholarship that I want to donate and give to a student, I'm going to be looking at what that student has done so far. So always there's always something that you can do. And go to your guidance counselor, say, listen, what what community service opportunities are you aware of? Um, And that's always something. Even your local library has community service and volunteer opportunities. Phenomenal things for students to develop their uh, leadership skills and commitment to service. Um, But getting back to the actual scholarship list, because that's what you asked me about. The first list, especially for students of color, I always point them to the 200, That is correct. You're going to write it down. You can Google it right now. Two zero zero black Excel minority scholarship. I got to get this out there because so many students come and they they say they were not aware of the Jackie Robinson scholarship, the Thurgood Marshall scholarship, the Ron Brown scholarship, the Alpha Kappa Alpha Alpha Phi Alpha um, scholarship. All of these black sororities and fraternities. Well, how do you get to them, Ms. Sherrington? you go to 200 Black Excel Minority Scholarship. It's going to bring you to a listing. The first one is Ron Brown. The link is there. I believe the deadline is November. Click on it. It'll open you up to the the application. You just keep clicking on it. You go through those. So that's one thing that I always tell the students to do. The other one, and it's not just for Black, it says Black Scholarships.org, but It's open for all minorities, you know, and um, um, so you want to make sure that um, you do that. Even the Hispanic Scholarship Fund is open for all students. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to use one corporation because I know they give a lot of money. Believe it or not, Denny's, the pancake people. Go to Denny's, hungry for education scholarship. The applications are live. I just checked it the other day. They are accepting high school student college applications for money. Tylenol has a scholarship, Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, Burger King, they are all out there. Toyota has a community service scholarship, not even based on your grades. They're all out there. The United Way, right on Long Island, gives money every year. The scholarship is out there. And again, I got to say this. I know my daughter's going to kill me. I have to use, I mean, you know, your mom is a guidance counselor. I was like, Brianna, you know, you're going to be applying for scholarships. Get yourself ready. We are African-American. You can see, you know. <laughs> but my daughter got the Puerto Rican Coalition Scholarship. Again, you apply, just apply, just apply for everything that you can. And you'd be surprised at what you would get back. She got the Angel Pabone Bone Scholarship. Angel Popbone was just giving money to, to students who live in, from Hempstead, Brentwood, Bayshore, Central Islip. Some of the scholarships has re, uh, had residential requirements. That's it. So if you go to the Puerto Rican Coalition Scholarship, it's online, and you scroll down, you see a young man from Hempstead, you see uh, Brentwood, you see Bayshore students that won the scholarship, and yeah, you're gonna see my daughter, she won a scholarship, you know? And so I always tell students, just apply you know um, Most high school in the they have a uh, district guidance page on the district website. That's also a wonderful starting point. You can even go to Brentwood's. Brentwood is, is an open uh, website. so if you go to bufSD.org, click on guidance and then click on scholarships. My boss did a wonderful job. Every time he got a scholarship, he put it on the district website because that's open access for everyone, equal access for everyone. Maybe you couldn't get in to see the guidance counselor, but you had your computer or your phone in your hand. So bufsd.org, and I'm sure if you go, if you're in high school now, you ask your counselor where can I find the scholarships that our district has, hmm. and you know, I- just kind of apply and see what's out there.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna put some of those links on the program description. If anybody, please listening. do. If Anybody's listening, uh, you can check the program description for some of the links mentioned by Ms. Shervington of the Million and One Scholarships that are out there. Uh, Professor Robinson has a question.
0: Yes, if, if I have a child, my child is, we'll say, eight or nine. As a parent, what should I be doing? right now to to Mm -hmm. ready my child is going to college what should i be doing to ready her for college right now
4: Mm.
2: if i had a student that um is eight or nine um i'm going to be looking for a lot of community agency enrichment programs in addition to what's available in school. So you want to make sure you're talking to that guidance counselor, letting that guidance counselor know that you want your child to be challenged academically year to year. Colleges like to see academic growth. So if your child is a B student, what can we do right now? What does this elementary school or middle school offer for academic enrichment? A lot of times there are academic enrichment programs on the weekends. There's academic enrichment programs at the library. There's reading uh, competencies. If And if your child is at that higher end, then you want to groom them for honors courses so that when they're getting in, co- in the high school level, they're taking AP courses. And if they score a three or above on an AP exam, many colleges will, will give them college credit or they'll bypass certain college requirements because they have demonstrated um, those competencies. So that is exactly, you cannot, assessment and enrichment and then character development Even a young person can get out there and be part of a program. I work with Girls, Inc. of Long Island. It's for for girls from third grade on up to high school. If you're a young man, does that district have a, a chapter of My Brother's Keeper? What are they doing to develop those leadership skills? ROTC is a great program for both young men and women. And of course, like I said, we have agencies out there that um, the YES program, Youth Enrichment Services, EOC program, um, they have so- Economic Opportunity Commission. They have so many different leadership programs. So you want to look in the communities and see what's available. You know, um, you know, uh, I, uh, Dr. Clyde mentioned the sorority Um All fraternities and sororities have some type of youth division, or they should. I have to use the alphas because I'm just here to give information. I'm not saying one is better than another, but I know right now the Alpha Phi Alpha has a program going on at Hofstra University for students, and they're getting ready for their uh, historically Black college tour. So you want to reach out to those institutions, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can simply go to that guidance counselor's office and make an appointment and you want to find out what about the college tours that are going on? Because mentorship is very important. Now, are mentorship programs, very important.
1: Makes sense. Appreciate that. Appreciate I, that. Uh,
3: let mm-hmm. me, let me add just this, Professor Robinson, like anything else, we take our children to events, mm-hmm. to the park, road trips to colleges are not out of the realm.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm. I love
3: Because what, what happens, right? We, We expose our children to things that we believe that they will benefit from, Mm -hmm. like going to the zoo, going to the museum. Take that same trip to a college.
0: Mm. Love that. That's a great point. I I never thought about that. I I used to make my daughter take the classes. Any class I taught in the summertime, I make her sit in on the classes. That's how important it is.
2: That's right. That is very, very, very important. Um, A lot of pre-pandemic, a lot of the colleges had free summer programs. Um, LIU Post, you know, had that Summer Honors Institute program, William, that, um, uh, you know, students can go on for a week, live on campus. They take a a particular career interest. Um, I believe that was 10th and 11th graders. You know, there's just so many different things that you can do. And I'm, I'm glad that this face-to-face uh, campus uh, presence is coming back because that's so important. And hopefully those types of programs will come back, too. Is
0: mm-hmm. Upwood Brown still around? William?
3: <laughs> uh, it is. I don't know how many campuses locally have it. Mm-hmm. Hofstra, as you know, had one. Dowling had a very good one until well. it... I went through that program.
4: Yeah,
3: they have a great program. They mm. did. Oh wow! Th- then you you were at Dowling when Roy Roberts was the director.
0: Roy Roberts and Mr. Washington was this. Oh director. man, yes, got it. I
3: got the big <laughs> well, I'm I'm a, I'm a former Upward Bound counselor, so I know about uh-huh. Upward Bound. Wow, uh, yes. wow,
4: wow. Mm-hmm.
3: Listen, There was something in the chat, and and certainly it was a request to have some of this wonderful information, particularly the scholarship information to be either in the chat or somehow be accessible so don't want to don't want to lose that
1: yes 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 when we release the program we will have it in the program description so we'll have a list of all the scholarships that were mentioned and Mm -hmm. uh links that Mm miss antoinette mentioned to different websites Mm -hmm. um so -hmm. we'll have all of that in the program description so look for that when we release the episode.
2: Um, I just have one more thing, and I know I sent it last year, the college board, ha- and I'm putting it up so you can see it, but it's for every grade level, especially those students that are entering high school. So college board has a college planning program. It's free. it's online, you can print it out. So I'm holding up the one that's ninth grade to 10th grade. They tell you month by month what you should be doing with your child, what your child should be doing in grades college planning nine to ten. I flip it over. There's college planning 10 to 11. I flip it over. There's the 11th grade planning fall, winter, spring. I'm just going to show it to you again. You know, it looks like that. You all have access to all of this information via the college board. You just Google college board access a C-C-E-S-E, college planning guide, and you can just print them out just like I did. I, this was my go-to. I had it pent up on my wall. I had a student in front of me. I said, what have you done this month to progress towards college? They even have a senior guide, a planning guide. It's just a wonderful tool. You got to use the tools in the toolbox to keep yourself on that upward trajectory that we talked about. And again, I always told students all of the college, vocational school, civil service, police exams, civil service exams for the post. I told them every single thing. And then we sat down and we took a, lo- a look at the planning. We took at their lifestyle, what they wanted to achieve and how to get there the straight path. There's always the straight path and then there's always that second door, back door path. So it's important to kind of really just start that right now.
1: Thank you for that, Ms. Shervington. Um For listeners, if we have any questions, now's the time. You guys could raise your hand or speak your question, or you could type it up in the chat and we could ask it for you. So, any questions pertaining to college, applying, where to go, scholarships, whatever. Um, if you have a specific question about you, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. The college Some- info.
1: Yeah, somebody asked, can you repeat the college board info? Sure.
2: So you can Google collegeboard.com and you're going to um, go and you can type in. It's called college planning guides. OK, there's a college planning guide for ninth to 10th graders. There's a college planning guide for 11th graders, and then there's a separate college planning guide for seniors. So I showed you the ninth and 10th. It's a simple one-page guide, but it was my go-to. I printed it out. I handed it to every student that came into my office. I said, listen, you need to stay on track. What do you do this summer after junior year to prepare for senior year? It's on the college planning guide. You know what I mean? Because sometimes one of the things that I hear and it's troubling for me as a professional is that I can't get in to see my guidance counselor. I can't. Well, you know what you're going to you make sure that if you can't get in yourself, you get your parent or a guardian or somebody go to the principal's office. You need to have that time with the counselor. But what you can be proactive yourself is find out what you should be doing. And then if you have a question about each one, then that's what you do. That's the timeline for senior because that's what you all need to know what to do. Um, and so that's very, very, very important that you stay on track of what you need to do year by year once you went enter the domain of high school so that you're ready for that college. I have to just say three things. If you're a senior, you should be doing a common application. Mm -hmm. which is that one-time application. You're going to be listing the colleges that you're interested in having that information sent to. There's also a historically Black college common application. So all of the HBCUs, not all of them, but most of them you can access through that one historically Black college common application. Don't forget to do that as well. You can even Google it. HBCU common application. It's a one. It used to be thirty five dollars. I don't know if they've raised it after COVID. But for one thirty five dollar fee, you're gonna fill out this historically black common application historically black college common application for one fee. You're going to upload as much information as you can. You're going to put in your guidance counsel's contact information because they have to send some information to this, um, the center. And they're going to forward your application to all of the historically black colleges that are listed on this application. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. And once you submit everything, you're going to start to get acceptances for colleges from that are on that list. Now, there are some historically Black colleges that don't use that. So like Howard University, that's something you would have to apply to directly. But that application is a starting point. If you are a senior, you should have your Naviance account link, hopefully by now. If you're a junior, you'll probably get that soon. Some high schools do it earlier, but Naviance is the program that you're going to need. Because what's going to happen is You're gonna be applying on a Common App. You're gonna take the Naviance program and your high school guidance counselor is gonna show you how to link those two programs together so that what you put in your Naviance, the colleges are gonna get. So hopefully, and I I can't tell if there are any seniors, you should know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, please, please talk to your high school guidance counselor as soon as you possibly can.
1: Got it. Uh, somebody asks. Um, any scholarship information or websites to find scholarships for Black students? So
2: it was um, I- it was uh, two hundred Black, uh, two hundred uh Black XL, Excel E X C E L minority scholarships. gonna give you the Ron Brown, the Thurgood Mar- Marshall, the Jackie Robinson. All of the um, the minority scholarships is 200 and they're live links. You click on the link and it'll open you to the scholarship page. That's one. The other one is simply blackscholarships.org. That's some um, Jay-Z and Beyonce scholarship. The Ron Carter, his name is Ron Car- uh, uh, Sean Carter, excuse me. All of those, Nas and and all of those celebrities, uh, blackscholarship.org, just take a look at that one when you get a chance. Black Microsoft uh, has scholarships. So you Google and see what every Every, 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 every company, you could Google Tylenol right now, scholarship. Toyota has a community service scholarship. BP Gas Company has, it, there's so much money, but you have to, again, get yourself ready with that that uh, scholarship uh, portfolio that I was telling you about earlier.
1: Thank you for that. All and, right.
2: and also don't forget that mm-hmm. if you go to a church, a lot of the, uh, uh, whether it's a church, synagogue, or mosque, there are scholarships usually available through those uh, houses of worship as well.
1: Anybody else had any questions uh, that you would like to speak or type in the chat? All right, while we are waiting for questions, um, I do have a question myself, even though we've seen a decrease in in um, college students going into school overall mm-hmm. in the United States. There's been an increase in students going to HBCUs um, mm-hmm. you
4: know,
1: due to the Black Lives Matter movement and, uh, you know, some of the racism that's going on. Some of the black students feel more comfortable attending HBCUs and things like that. And there's this whole thing, too, with HBCUs where I hear a lot of people say, like, well, it's going to be hard to get a competitive job. Like, you know, as opposed to going to a PWI, you know, it looks better. A PWI looks better. The HBCU, you know, it's going to be difficult to get work or employment after graduating. It doesn't really look great on your resume. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on on that component, uh, Mr. Clyde, and. Ms. Shervington, what you think about that? Am I going to struggle, <laughs> excuse me, getting employment if I go to an HBCU? Or should I just, you know, bypass that?
3: Listen, the, the narrative has changed, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The, the proliferation of students going to HBCUs, including white folks. Let's be mm-hmm. real clear about yes. they're there as well.
2: That is correct.
3: You know, it's about cost and it's about what's the end game. We talked about that at the very beginning of our conversation. Mm-hmm. My daughter, Amityville grad, went to St. John's and is a and was a graduate of Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. This yes. Past year, right? Yes. So she went from the local community to a predominantly white institution to went to an HBCU. So she had the best of all three and she mm-hmm. currently now is doing her residency at Yale New Haven Hospital. Oh. All right. So it's possible to go anywhere from any point. So to suggest that going to an HBCU is less than, we not we have to take that out of the conversation. Let us not even do that.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: If we're going to be competitive,
4: mm-hmm.
3: we have to be at the table. So no matter where you come from.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And Ms. Sherrington said earlier about credentials. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. We need to be clear about
4: mm-hmm.
3: what do we bring into the dance?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: What tools are in your toolbox that are going to help a cl- an organization or a company?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And most companies now have to, mm-hmm. not so much by law, but have to look at what. So what is diversity? Now, diversity is a right now is a dangerous word (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that has changed the narrative when some of us of a particular age looked at diversity as being the black white issue. Well, it's no longer just a black white issue.
4: Right. Right.
3: So when we speak diversity, we are talking LBGT plus, we are talking where more women of color now are, are being at the table So when we speak women, we don't have time in this podcast to even address that.
2: That is correct.
3: So we need our young women, Mm. our young women of color and our young black women in particular Mm. to be elevated, that they can also be brilliant and don't have to be subjugated to being less than because of gender and because of race. Mm. Right. So whether they went to the Harvard's and Yale's of the world or they went to. Well, Morris Brown is no longer an institution, but to the Fists, yes, the yes. Tuskegee's, the Absolutely. World Warfare Forces, and wherever they land mm-hmm. and be proud of being from an HBCU. Because my goodness, they earn their degrees too. And they're, and they're prominent, they're prominent folks from all those folks. So mm-hmm. going to an HBCU like going to a predominantly white institution is a choice. Mm -hmm. let's not, let's not denigrate the choice and let's not denigrate to believe that the education that you're going to receive is going to be of lesser quality. So let's take that out of the, out of the equation from the get go.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I concur a hundred percent um, my daughter just graduated from HBCU, North Carolina A&T State University, number one largest HBCU in the country, known for their agriculture um, program and engineering science. And there were so many other hues on campus other than African-American students. So you're right. People are finding the value. But I love the, the history and the resiliency and, and the um, academic responsibility that is in built into that curriculum for all freshmen to undertake so that there's a the- and learning and acquiring knowledge that we were not once able to do so, that we were barred from. So they get, they come with a, a strong sense of who they are and where they're going and what it takes. Now, I always give information when I talk. There's a program that utilizes the Fortune 500 companies that offer internships to students of color, whether they're on HBCU campuses or whether they're PDI. So like William said, it's getting that seat at the table. The name of the program, and you want to write this down. It's open for high school students and college students, seniors. You can apply to get into it, and you will get a summer internship with Fortune 500 companies. Um, regardless of your major, they're all available. The name of the program is Inroads. I n r o a d s. Just Googling and you're going to you you'll see what I'm talking about. And thank you William. Thank you so much cuz you know I talk with my hands so you know I just I just love the connection. But definitely you're going to google, you're going to apply the the applications are probably coming up real soon. The interviews in the spring. And if you get it, you could apply whether you're in college now, whether you're in a high school senior. But again, that's where you're gonna get the exposure at the tables. And you're gonna seek for those opportunities as well. But the, the academics and the curriculum itself, top notch. Absolutely, yes. And even more so. So that's just to answer that question.
1: Got it. Thank you so much, both of you. You're going to close out soon, but I did want to ask just a couple more things before we close out for today. Uh, the other end of the spectrum, too, I think is, um, you know, students that want to go to these Ivy Leagues. And for me, like, I think a lot of the students don't look at the acceptance race and things like that. I hear like, you know, students that have like a B average saying like, yeah, I want to go to, you know, Harvard and this and that. In the third, like what number one is the expectation with the Ivy Leagues um, in regards to. Being looked at and considered, and being able to get in, some of these schools have five percent acceptance rates, four percent, six percent, very low. So, what puts them at a higher level? I guess of getting into some of these schools that they they really want to go to for the kids that are looking into Ivy Leagues. First and foremost, the Ivies, all of them are competitive.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: They are uber competitive.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And when you think about the history, and the legacy that the Ivies have, chances are, and it's not to suggest that Ivies aren't looking at a diverse student population, they they tag it in a very different way because they're taking students from all over the world and from all over the country. So there's someone from Appalachia, someone from a rural background. So that mix is certainly there. But let's not be let's not get it twisted that Mm -hmm. you have the elite of the elite families who send their children there.
2: That's the reality.
3: Now what, what gets me is that especially when we talk about the admissions process, that this idea that my child deserves to be at Harvard or Yale or Princeton because of their credentials. Well, there are so many seats at any of these institutions.
4: Right. Right.
3: And you know what? Feelings, feelings aside, someone's not going to get in. There are many someones who are not going to get in. That's fine. And let's not make the argument that someone replaced me because my credentials were better than yours. Mm. They're just like if we all tried to get to the same hotel. Mm
4: -hmm. There are
3: X amount of rooms that are available. If you don't make your reservation to have the hotel room, you're not going to get in. Not to say that you have to have a reservation at any of these institutions, but again, the same principle exists. Mm. There are so many rooms available and so many seats in a freshman class. And they're, Thousands of students that apply.
4: Yeah.
3: And many of those thousands have very similar credentials. So to the point that Madam Shervington was making earlier about Mm -hmm. what is your profile, Mm -hmm. what then distinguishes your profile from that other person? And It could be a minuscule thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: It could be minuscule. So we we have to understand, Mr. G, the idea of what legacy does and certainly endowment. Because Mm -hmm. these institutions certainly have the wherewithal to give out money to students who are deserving from a scholarship perspective. And many of the other Ivies, University of Pennsylvania was the first to step into this, that they would pay the freight for the incoming class. Right. Yeah. So when you have that kind of money, it's there. Mm hmm. So, can you take your chance? Now, if, if I'm a B student and if I look at the profile of what a Harvard or Yale or Princeton admission is, do I have a chance to get in? Your mm-hmm. chances aren't necessarily that large unless you write one hellified essay
4: mm-hmm. and
3: you blow away the admissions committee to say, well, That's- this is the type of student that has earned their keep to get into Harvard. Right. There may be some of those that are out there, but let's also talk about what level of support that would be there for that student, particularly if you're coming from what may not have been an advantage background Mm -hmm. because of the competitive nature that these institutions present. And are you going to find people that look like you in that mix? Because it could be cutthroat. It just can
2: be. It can be. Absolutely. Mm Absolutely. I think it's really important for students to understand that um, that when you're creating college lists, you're creating your dream school, and you certainly want to encourage students, but they have to take a look at what that that the application standards are for that institution. And like you pointed out, that there's gonna be a slew of students. Um, What I tell parents to start to look for now, and William, you may recall that a lot of, even the Ivy League students um, admissions rep, they have regional reps that come down to different um, conferences, different college fairs. Um, You find out, you know, you make connections with that regional rep as early as you possibly can follow up you know, kind of delineating yourself from the pack. Like you said, how do you set yourself apart? It comes to relationships and networking, because if you have that, your parallel in terms of admissions um, standards, what you can do is try to outreach and build a relationship so that they know who you are, what you're doing. You're getting some advisement. If you have a dream college in mind, even as an 11th grader, that's something that we always tell our students to start to do. Um, You know, uh, there was just a big, huge college fair, I believe, um, you know, they're they're coming up, you know, go to the guidance office, find out when your next college fair and where those individuals are going to be so that you can start to make some connections and always take that person's business card and follow up with them as well. And then there are, like you mentioned, diversity access programs that, um, uh, you know, recruit students of color, find out um, what that minority affairs or whatever the the acronym on that campus is and get in touch with that department whether it's mm-hmm. a department of diversity affairs under under the student affairs umbrella
1: got it got it somebody mentioned early decision has a better chance at ivy's five percent regular decision and was 17 percent for early decision so if you apply earlier there's a higher chance of you getting in good to know good to know all right um Thank you both so much, Mr. Clyde, Ms. Shervington, for coming through and just giving us knowledge, information, gems, jewels. Um, I wish I had y'all when I was a senior in high school, man. It would have been so much better, but we got y'all now. We got y'all now. So
2: yeah, but <laughs> no. Um, yeah.
1: So um for those that are listening in that may want to reach out to you guys personally. Uh, Where can they find you? And of course, if you all have any last words before we wrap it up, you can share as well.
2: I'm going to put my uh, email in the chat right now. Um, And again, you know, certainly uh, having been just retired, it's going to be my personal email, which I do check daily and uh, certainly will respond and offer what any assistance that I can for educational empowerment. Let me just uh, put that in there right now.
4: Yes.
1: And uh, can, can you speak it for our listeners, those of us that oh, are listening? Oh,
2: yes. That is correct. Okay. So it's my last name, Shervington, S H E R V I N G T O N, Shervington, at O P T O N L I N E, optonline.net. That's my email. So hopefully everyone can get that. Optonline.net and just, you know, send me an email. I try to be as helpful as I possibly can. I just put it in there.
1: Appreciate that, Ms. Uh, Mr. Clyde. Yes, I put my email in the chat a little
3: earlier, and I'll certainly say it out loud for those who need to hear it. And that would be William, W-I-L-L-I-A-M dot Clyde. C-L-Y, D as and David, E as in every, at
1: N-C-C E-D-U. Appreciate that. Appreciate that.
0: Um Professor Robinson, any last words before we close out? Uh, great as always. You guys did a wonderful job. Very informative. You had me writing stuff down. Always informative. Thank, thank, you. thank you
2: for having you know, certainly, um, you know, willing to do whatever I can to support the cause. Anybody want to email me? You know, I, I encourage you. I know guidance offices are very busy the first couple of weeks of school. It may be difficult because they're dealing with program changes, new students, incoming students and whatnot. But if you are a senior, you need to communicate that you need to to have a session with your guidance counselor ASAP to make sure you get what you need to to, uh, fill out that common application, to um, do the Historically Black College common application and to get that Naviance account up and running if you don't already have it. You should already have it. But those are three basic elements. And then, you know, hopefully you also want to find out, like I said before, where do you find information from that district about scholarships, about senior night, all of that stuff coming up and you should be at each and every single meeting get as much knowledge as you can about what your your guidance department offers and how you can get that information Mm. we work for you you make them work for you
1: indeed indeed appreciate that appreciate everyone for coming on and uh appreciate listeners for listening in and of course um those of us that are wondering about college i think that as a black person it is a little bit different in regards to not having a degree at all and maneuvering through the world. I think, um, you know, for white folks, it's a little bit easier resources, help, assistance, family that has, um, you know, has done certain things and can help out and stuff like that. If that is not you, the process will be a lot harder. So mm. even I, I always advise, I think you guys would agree with me too, like uh, students that are like on the fence about colleges to go anyway you know mm-hmm. go to a cheap school go to a community yep. school for a while yep. and have something t- as a backup just in case because for us the road is a lot harder you know than for you know anybody else and having something is better than having nothing no matter what it is that you choose to mm-hmm. do unless you got a solid plan and your plan is already you know in execution and you're you're making good money already and you're like you know what i'm already making know six figures why even go if that's you man do your thing but if that is not you I really highly recommend that you look into attending some college for something that you're interested in just as a backup
2: absolutely
1: and again thank you for listening everyone and remember your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe therefore if you can think it you can do it if you believe in it you can be it and if you fight for it you can have it the world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind. So every day I'm going hard. I'm talking business, bank accounts and credit cards. And somehow we defeat the odds of making sure that no one starved illegal or you had a job. And when he doubted me, brought the best out of me. The women want to holler. the fellas want to shout at me. The voices in my head, I swear they getting kind of loud of me. And how I turn this thing into gold.
0: See, this is alchemy. They never know. Never.